0: and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast. Well, after a historic display of English stoicism and defense, I think it's only fair if you open up the podcast with a little bit of Paul Gustard's poem. When you get what you want in the struggle for self and the world makes you king for a day, go
2: to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that guy has to say. It's not your father, your mother, your wife, or your friends whose judgment upon you will pass. The verdict that counts the most in the world, the one coming back from the glass. Or the world may say you're a stray shooting chum and they may call you a wonderful guy. But the one in the mirror says you're a bum because you don't look me in the eye. He's the one you face. Forget the rest. You see he's with you to the end. And you pass the most dangerous, difficult test if the one in the glass is your friend. You may fool the world down the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass. But your final reward will be sorrow and tears because you cheated the one in the glass.
0: Hello and welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, I'm filling in for Tim on presenting duties because he's busy rushing out from Wales to make it for our second podcast, which will be out with you on Tuesday, as well as a brand new rugby dungeon out on Wednesday. Subscribe separately for that one. This is your green and gold edition, meaning we are going to answer all the questions arising from the second test. Important questions. Why was a wizard dressed in a fox introducing Australia? Will Australia look at Jamie George to fill the role as second playmaker? Is Paul Gustard a genius? And will that poem, the poem that you've just heard, be a regular staple around Twickenham for many years to come. Before any of that though let's have a quick shout out to our sponsors Cornerstone who make everything we do down here in the Rugby Dungeon egg chasers and everything else possible these guys are a provider of subscription razors for as little as £4 a month you can get your first order of high quality German engineered razors better than Wilkinson Sword, better than Gillette, don't believe me it's won some award in either national or international razor competitions but that's very important. I always say why waste the best technology on things like cars and aerospace why should Tim Peake have all the fun with all the gadgets when you can simply go to www.cornerstone.com forward slash egg or use egg 10 at checkout and have your own fun with your own high quality high tech razors it comes of course with that wonderful aluminium shaft you can have any initials you want I prefer JB you may choose your own Thank you so much for everyone who's already signed up. Please, if you're thinking about it, go there, sign up, help support us, help support the pod. Really, really great people with a great product. Okay, fair to say I've left you waiting long enough. The next voice you hear will be Matt Rowley from the Green and Gold podcast, getting us into this week's test. Enjoy the pod.
1: G'day and welcome to another Green and Gold rugby special podcast with the egg chasers. Uh, It's a tough one. We're going to try and, and grind
3: it out. We're this sp- was a this was a bad concept, Matt. I don't know why we agreed <laughs> to this. But looking back at it, it was a mistake, and we we're. we're- Why are we going through with this? I don't know, mate.
1: Does it show character? I'm hoping. I mean, I think that's the one thing. It seemed like a great idea at the time. That's all I can say. Look, we're sponsored, as usual, by uh, Sporpal. Go find your talent, whether you need to get some players or you want to go somewhere and and show your talent off. uh, Go check out Sporpal. It's free at the moment. But anyway, as you've heard, I've got Hugh here to give me a bit of support a bit of solace
3: <sighs> yeah i know it's 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 a tough one isn't it, it exactly. why do we do this sometimes it's just a game <laughs> there's other things in life the can we can we do like a mute, like a philosophy podcast or something i feel like we should be grappling with more important things in the world than than sport at the well, moment
1: what's more important than this as jb will tell you mate
0: good to have you on how are you hello boys yeah good thanks you guys well yeah we're, <laughs> we're
1: on the podcast i think we can at least say
0: that just wait
1: that i've i've been dreading to talk to just uh, wait now and see. for
0: the wave of smugness coming your way a tidal wave <laughs> of unbelievable unstoppable self-gratitude it's coming boys a tsunami uh the, let the
1: tsunami wave roll over us tim from a cafe in wales mate how are you
2: Oh, good morning, one and all. Uh, you know what? It's it's really early on a Sunday morning, and I've never got out of bed so quick with such a spring of my step.
1: Is it nice and sunny down there in Wales? Is it like the birds? Uh, uh, no,
2: it's it's gloomy. There's someone walking past with an umbrella, but I'm in such a good mood.
1: I can't think of why. Um, so look, Tim, to the victors the spoils, mate. Tell us how did you guys do it? What? How did England? take this test quite so convincingly
2: well you're right it convincing it was um I, one thing i will say before i get going is i think it's just a shame that the 2015 world cup was cancelled and never happened because i think the team <laughs> could have done quite well <laughs> no do you know what i think the word i'd use to describe england in, in both test one and two was streetwise and you saw a very different england performance this weekend to last weekend just as Uh, effective and streetwise because we didn't commit at all at the breakdown this time. We just instead focused on a quick press to try and shut down the wide channels where Izzy Falau got so much success last week. So we we dealt with the problem of last week. And I just think it all comes down to to Eddie Jones, really. He's the reason we're so streetwise. He's he's just smart. And it shows what a a real international coach with pedigree, the difference it makes with the same group of players. Yeah, I mean, you
1: had some players really uh, step up and put their hands up who, who kind of stood out to you
2: well yeah you're right all over the field i mean obviously the our six and a halfs maybe they do add up to 13 after <laughs> all um I, it was so i you haven't seen chris robshaw boy, well, you haven't seen anyone defend um an, an oncoming attack like chris robshaw did since hodor holding the door it was a phenomenal effort but behind the behind the pack as well I, I think that Farrell and Ford that combination just keeps getting better and better and I think that extra pair of eyes that extra boot on the field that extra extra decision maker um and they and they stepped up defensively as well so I was just all over the pitch they were heroes but the back row and the 10-12 combination for me was a strength yeah uh, uh, JB
1: what about you Matt I mean uh you know, you you know these players. Who who do you think came into their own?
0: Well, strangely enough, I I kind of agree with Tim. I think one of the master strokes of the entire game was Eddie Jones not using his bench. The Australians emptied their bench yeah. it was somewhere between fifteen minutes into second half and about uh, twenty minutes in, and then there was just continual pressure. I was certain that England were going to concede and that almost gambler's instinct that Jones has to not use his bench not use his bench and then 10 minutes before the half they bring on what four world class forwards i thought yeah. it was an absolute stroke of genius uh, a lot of credit has to go to Gustard too that defence just the team ethic involved is quite magnificent
1: um, yeah it was it was it was it, i mean i think two things you guys touched on there i thought the kicking of the tactical kicking of forward was sublime um, the number of times, you know, when they, whenever they were around about halfway, they'd always put themselves into the Australian 22 with a cross kick. Um, and that man Youngs, I thought at halfback, also had a good little kicking game oh, yeah. um, as well. Just pin, you know, pin, you know, pinning us, pinning us back there. Thought so they both did um, really really well. And then that other bit you talked about, then JB, which was the gamble, uh, you know, on, when you brought the subs on, and you saw what there was about three of those guys involved in, in that last try. Yeah. Um, the reserve hooker kicking it through. Um, I think it was, and Laws was the first guy who punched it up. Then it was the reserve kicker, uh, hooker kicking it through. And then someone else kind of chased onto the ball and finally, you know, Farrell got ahead of it. So, you know, I thought those things were were absolutely vital to the whole game.
2: Matt, if I can just chip in there, um, I I think JB's nailed it as well when he picks out um, Paul Gustard, the defense coach who yeah. was the defense coach at Saracen's and it was j- just the, the quick press they had actually England missed 30 odd tackles but that's the way they play because they press so hard and so fast you get in that little cappuccino machine in the cap you get in that background uh, anyway <laughs> right. they um, that that fast press just completely shut Foley down and Australia didn't have that second playmaker and uh, and, and they were so um, limited as to what they were able to do as a result yeah. that said they had all the ball.
1: Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I so, so my take, and I'll get your your chime in on this in a second, Hugh. But I guess the way I've rationalised what happened to the game for Australia was, look, Australia's got no plan B. You know, we've we've really got no territory game. Um, you know, Mike uh, Bernard Foley has only been like a 10 for about three years now. Um, three, four years before that, he was a 15 and, used to, uh, and, and then in 7. So we've we've got no real um, territory game. The only thing that we do is just play more plan A or and play it faster and hope that that's going to overwhelm the opposition at the back end of the match. And that's what the Waratahs did through uh, 2013, 14 and 15 um, when Czech was there. And the problem was that... England, A, did have a great plan B and absolutely loved playing it with Ford and Youngs. That was just them back at home on a, a, you know, what was a pretty awful pitch. Um, I think it just suited them perfectly. Um, B, I thought, you know, then slowed the ball like the All Blacks do. I mean, the number of times um, you saw Haskell just inadvertently falling backwards over the ball through a ruck, which is just, you know, a prime All Black move. And because we need to play at that pace, if you can just slow it for two beats... Yeah, it just gives your defensive line that chance, and gives you that chance to press, and it closes those holes, and it stops, you know, negates that 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 speed. And then the th- final thing I thought, which is Jones is obviously bought, is just that fitness to be able to do it, um, like you said, JB, with the original team right through to like the 60th minute um and i think you know you saw on the telecast here nathan gray came on and said at half time, our whole plan is just to raise it again we're just going to go faster and and just you know get the as he said get pay in the, in the back end of the match which you know is code for you know we're going to have them run off their feet and we're going to be able to get through them and they just couldn't so the, the fitness was there yeah um hugh was is that how you saw it or anything different
3: yeah, look, it's funny that we sit here and it's such divergent outcomes. You know, the English rightfully um, ecstatic and we're pretty down. And both games have been real knife-edge kind of games, even if the end score hasn't really reflected it. I mean, that game was really close and, and Australia had plenty of chances to, to take it, and as did England, and it was just England that took them better in the end. Um, and so, you know, it's it's... It's hard to say. I don't think the Australian game plan was massively off-kilter um, because they had enough ball and enough position to, to, to score tries. It just was when they got to that last 10 metres. For, for whatever reason, they slowed down. They were you know lost composure. England defended well, and we just didn't have any clever ways to get around it. And then we started turning down kickable penalties. And all of it, you know, all of it, um, it was a super rugby attitude to what was a test match test match gain yeah. and 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 it, and we pay the price for it I, I don't think there was a huge amount wrong with anything australia did up until that last 1 or 2% you know and that was where england would just had that had those answers in defence and and um you know uh, england very much the deserving winners and, and and congratulations to them it was probably the most impressive defensive display i've, I've ever seen i know they they were so smart the way they chose to, as you said, Matt, chose to stand off the ruck, but when they picked their battles, they picked them so well. I mean they haven't they've barely given away a ruck penalty all all series. Um it's the, and it's testament to their intelligence of their of their back row but their whole their whole pack, their whole team. So it's hard. It's a hard feeling as a Wallabies fan because you want to go back to the drawing board. You want to you wanna you know in your anger at losing a home series you want to see five, ten people dropped and all, and all that sort of stuff. But actually I you know we're not we had the i feel like we had the game and i don't mean to insult england at all when i say that but i feel like we had the game won if we chose to win it but we just oh, i don't know i don't know yeah. we dropped ball we oh, it's it's all coming back yeah. well, um, I, I thought there were two yeah. uh,
1: i thought there were two key decisions there not to take points tim would have england have turned down those points
2: well, in in a World Cup game against Wales, yes, unfortunately, but no, absolutely not. And yeah. it's I, I was I, I was absolutely baffled, and I think Hugh nailed it. It was a Super Rugby approach to a Test match. Six points down, 15 minutes to go, close the gap to three with a kick on the 22 in front of the post. What international team doesn't take three points there? I I, I cannot understand it, and no. I'd have been I'd have been livid if that was uh, if that was Dylan Hartley making that call. Exactly, mm. JB. You see it any different, mate? Uh,
0: no, do you know what? I think Hugh is spot on. The this game, I think, if it's played ten times, uh, I think it'd be about you know five or uh, the approach Australia took. I think is probably a more sensible approach than the approach that England took. Because if we look back at the game, England had to make three times more tackles, roughly, than Australia. I mean, they were they were under siege. Now they. If anything, they might have even got lucky to 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 uh, to a certain degree. Because how long can you keep that work rate up for? It's a huge ask, and I think that's you know that goes back to one of the reasons Jones is so clever to use his subs right at the end. Uh, but I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with what Australia did. Uh, and if, if I was them, I um I would I'd continue down exactly the same path.
1: Yeah, I, I thought there was some. I think Q was right there there was that kind of there was a couple of percentage plays that were missing I mean I think so you take that first penalty you don't know that we're going to get the second penalty but if you're in an alternate universe and you say it's 13-13 in the back end of that match then I think you're in a very different situation and I think suddenly standing off rucks and things like that doesn't feel so easy if you're England um I think the whole match looks a, a lot lot different um and, and so I was really surprised by that game management. I, I must admit, because the, it was I think it was two different captains, uh, Hooper and Moore, decided at different times. I've got to think that was a discussion they'd had as a team, which said if we're in this situation, this is what we do: we keep the foot on the throat, we stay down that end, and we, you know, and we try and go for the for the points. I mean, the, the other thing was just with the amount of ball that they had close to the England line, I I really felt we missed that. Again, we missed that second playmaker. There'd been a bit, big conversation going on here in Australia for ages now. Do we need a second playmaker or do we put another player in? I thought Karevi had a great game. I thought he did everything that was asked of him. But I think, you know, when you're in that situation where you, you need to find that space, put someone through a gap, and you've only got one man who can do it, which is, you know, who is Foley. I mean, I, I felt we kind of, you know, we, we were missing at that point. Hugh, did it, has it made your mind up on this?
3: Yeah, well i i have it for different reasons. I actually think the kicking game was where we most lacked that second person. I mean, it, it was amazing to me that, that I think, you know, ninety-nine percent of the time that we passed it back to Foley or Halert Petty, who was our sort of second kicker. The, the amount of times there was three people on it and he was narrowly avoiding a charge down. And actually once he did though Toje charged him down. Um at one point. But the the amount of, you know, he was under pressure, had to rush the kick and just get it away. That was why our kicking game was ineffective. It was just, we, we didn't set a good enough platform where we didn't have that second option to be able to step up and take the pressure off Foley mm. and to keep that defence in two minds as to who's actually going to get the ball. Yeah. Um, and that and, and that was, you know, made it so hard to get out of our own heart. But, look, it, it's one of those things. I mean, Christian Liofano has played good minutes in both games and has you know, you wouldn't know he was out there. So it's, it's, it's a tough one. I think in an ideal world we needed that second playmaker, but I'm not sure Leo Lefano's is that guy. So yeah. it, it's, 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 it's tough. It's tough. I don't know. I, I don't know what we need. I think our team balance is more or less right. It's, it's, it's just those one percenters that that we lacked. So I could
2: maybe I could maybe add from an English perspective when when I think about playing against Australia and over the past decade you think about playing against guys like. Gitto exactly as Hugh kind of hinted at it 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 must and from my perspective as a supporter watching but as a player on the field it must mean you're not sure who to um who to run at where it was absolutely obvious you you put the pressure on Foley you shut down Foley you shut down everyone outside him so Mm. that that that's clearly what Eddie Jones targeted that's clearly what the England team were doing and and it clearly worked
1: yeah no definitely look there were three refering decisions in here, which I'm not necessarily going to say are wrong because I think I can see how he got to the end decision. But I must admit they were quite surprising and that you don't see them every day of the week. Um, so, uh, Jeff, that, that came from Joubert. Um, and so, JB, I've been interested in your, your view on them. The first one that I thought, oh, blimey, you don't see that that often was, uh, it was like in the first couple of minutes when he penalised Kepu for pushing somebody in a line out that hadn't even started yet. And and I was like, oh god! I mean, you know, there's always someone pushing someone in a line out as it's setting up. So I was really surprised by that. Then there was the time that he overturned. He said, oh, there's there were two penalties running against England, Um, and then he ended up completely overturning it, saying that Moore had come in late um, at uh, a breakdown. And then the final one was when Owens had said, hey, I think you need to look at some foul play. Oh, I love that. Um, You know, I love that so much. when Foley got pushed over. Joubert has a look at it and goes, oh, no, you know what? Actually, I'm going to penalise him for shepherding. Yep. Um, so, JB, what, what was your take on, on, on those three?
0: Well, do you know what? I've, have you not missed the biggest one? Which was the which was Rob Shaw high, like, round the neck, wrestling oh, yeah. to the ground. Yeah. I thought this was incredible. This is the most exciting thing from a referee that I've seen God knows, God knows how long. So, um, mm. Rob Shaw's arm goes round the neck. Of, I think it's Foley or maybe no, it's um, maybe Phipps yeah. yeah pulls him to the floor Um <laughs> someone else does something does something stupid next I, I can't remember who but basically it's one penalty That's against England all, yeah. oh yeah uh, so it's already a penalty against England they commit yeah. another penalty and then Stephen Warcombe comes in and gets two penalties reversed because of one that's that is yeah. perverse. That is absolutely perverse. I mean what what is the message that they're sending here? If one of your team gives a penalty away, everybody dive in immediately with your own illegal shots, because if someone retaliates, we'll get away with it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was I, I I thought that was but I think where I guess the thinking there is that it's the last one that's occurred. I mean I guess it's not a balance of someone's committed four penalties we've committed three so then therefore we get one I guess it's I guess the thinking is but it just seemed perverse including the fact that he actually looks at it he looks at a guy go around someone's neck yeah um, I thought it was yellow and says oh yeah and goes oh no that's just a penalty um and there's only two of them I mean look uh Tim I, I mean I guess I'm I'm thinking you you must have been thinking there's nothing wrong with that
2: well, we have a little mantra on our podcast, Matt, which is "let the boys play," and <laughs> and I'm I'm all for just I, I see I loved it in that first five minutes when it was a flare up and there were 20 guys piling in yeah. and I and I hate it when I when I see on Twitter people going "oh this is a disgrace," Louis. I love all that. Yeah. So kind of I just I just I just think just get on with it. I, I will say and to make it easier for you as an Aussie chiming in about the ref after you've lost, I thought Joubert had a, a poor poor game and did get the rub of the green on some decisions but I think a lot of what you just described was kind of petty well for one Nigel Owens I think come on just get on with it there was nothing there was nothing to see there and there was nothing to overturn there just get on with it and play was generally my response the one about the the net grab and pull and then turnover, I, I, yeah, I, I can see why you'd be annoyed about that. It was crazy. I didn't think Joubert covered himself
3: in glory at all. Yeah, but I, okay, can I can I have my can I have my minute? I've got to say, and you've got to say at the start. Any time you talk about the referee, even in a constructive manner, which of course is going to be very constructive, um, England better team deserved to win. Um, Jabet didn't affect affect the result right yeah. that, that you got to say that and yeah. so i don't want to sound like i'm i'm blaming the ref for what happened but the the three you mentioned matt were all justifiable under the law i i, I understand those decisions but what it, what, it, what it what it was symptomatic of was just every 50-50 just went to england you know and they're all justifiable 50-50s but they just all went their way and i was banging my head on the on the wall by the end of it it just it's just frustrating it's not you know and then there was little things, like, so I'll give you my couple more Matt these are these are mine that I think are worse. Mm. Um, end of the first half, we have a penalty on the english line, um advantage for a penalty on the English line, uh, About sort of fifteen in from touch, very kickable uh, at at ten seven they would have leveled the scores up up before half time. We have two or three minutes of possession, not going anywhere, one out, one out. Um, spread the ball, but nothing really eventuates. And Joubert calls advantage over. We haven't, we've gone backwards, we've gone five metres backwards. And we, lo- we lose the advantage, knock the ball on, that's half time. I don't know under what planet, I've seen so much rugby over the last year that I don't know why advantage is over in that case. That's, you go back for the penalty every time there. And mm-hmm. so we've just cost us, a, cost us a shot at three points uh, after half time. That really annoyed me. Um, If you would have taken three points. If you would have taken three points. Look, Foley would have have shanked the kick. It's about the principle. It's not, you (laughs) know. Um, And um, there was another, there was another.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
3: gave us advantage for a penalty under the post, but then recanted his advantage and gave us a penalty on the touchline. He blew up our advantage and he looked like he was about to sin bin Mike Brown and he didn't. So we kind of... He stopped our he stopped our play for a, a sin bin that never actually happened. Mm. I don't know. It was just... Lit, it was all the little things. Nigel Owens once... You know, Nigel Owens told him about an offside in the England backline from a line-out um, that would have given us a penalty 20 metres in front of the post and he ignored it, didn't blow it. Like... And... and I'm sure all of them are justifiable you know you take decision by decision I don't think his decisions were necessarily bad just all went England's way and that's the end of my winch England better team deserved to win but I, I need I need my I need my winch time but you know, there but, so but, that- but you know
1: why I think those 50 50s didn't go our way was because we we're in we were in the shit list with with the ref and I can understand why so yeah I think we uh, we were rattled so England's attitude I think in the first test definitely had us on the back foot. Um, I think you saw our guys and I think Moore was probably more than anyone else thinking he needed to kind of lead it, decided he wasn't going to take a backward step. Every time there was any sort of niggle, everyone had to pile in because there was no taking a backward step being the mantra. Um, And you just heard us going at the ref the whole time. And throughout the the match, you can hear Joubert says to the Wallabies, it must be half a dozen times, stop shouting at me, stop shouting at me. I'm going to, you know, someone's going to get in trouble next. And I just think... I just think he, they gave him the shits, is, is, quite, is, quite is, frankly. And yeah.
0: I, is that the bit? There was a Go really judgment. interesting bit. And I think it's about the time, just before hal- half-time, Joubert's got his mic on and he's stood next to Moore. And I'm sure that they're talking about the scrimmaging. And they have a little conference. And I'm sure that Joubert says to Moore, yeah, I know, mate, they're, they're really frustrating. Now, I, I actually talk that as him telling Moore... That they, he was frustrated with the English with the English scrum scrum collapsing, or, or have I got well, that completely I, I, wrong?
1: No, well I don't I don't I can't remember that conversation, but I do know they had. Yeah,
3: I remember the one where Jabir said, all 15 people are talking at me. Yeah. Um, please shut it down.
1: Yeah. It. But are we going to... He said gonna... another three, four times.
3: But, I mean, we were lucky we got away with, I mean, let's talk Sandgate. I mean, Hooper was lucky not to be red-carded and banned for life. <laughs> oh, under today's climate, that, absolutely. Sand. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, we got away with that one.
2: <laughs> oh god! I'm so glad we we can put that to bed, and there was an alternative angle because there was loads of keyboard warriors going crazy about that.
0: Oh,
3: <laughs> I enjoyed god. it. I, I well, did... What was the what did what did... What did that angle prove, though? It's like the grassy knoll and you know JFK. I mean, did that? We we. I need a third angle. I need something else. The,
0: the 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 only thing it proves to me is that Hooper is a massive fan of the film Gladiator. Outside of that, I'm not entirely sure. Do you know what? I liked it. You pay the man to win, so if he wants to throw some sand, let him throw some sand. It's actually quite inventive.
3: <laughs> yeah, I well, I love it because in this game where you know where we've got Stephen Moore flying shoulder charging people on the ground, and we've got Rob Shaw just. Basically, trying to break Nick Phipps's neck and all of this, you know, stuff that goes on in a in a, a hard fought test match. And we, for some reason, get up in arms about a, a fistful of sand thrown in, not even in the face of someone, but just uh, like like that was any danger. It was, danger to it was him the at all,
1: intent, mate. Intent. <laughs> we're
3: allowed to break people's break people's <laughs> limbs on both sides, but but yeah. uh, no, probably, sand. Um, no. It probably
2: brings up that the only person who probably had a worse day at the office than Craig Rebert was the, the groundsman in Melbourne
0: yeah. yeah what is that My about God. That, that's an
1: absolute disgrace well, well the thing is it's not the first time so anytime anyone's pretty much played there this season it's been the same result so I don't know why anyone was expecting it to be any different except that obviously the groundsman has said oh yeah no worries fellas it'll be fine um, and it was an absolute shocker now look um, JB you reminded me of something okay which was um, England scrummaging yes is Can Dan Cole keep up a scrum? Oh, Oh,
0: jeez. Ooh, interesting. I mean... I don't think it's it's important. I'm going to put a gift together. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you now, I don't think it's important anymore. I think it used to be. I don't think it is now. Um, And I think you might even have yourselves to blame, unfortunately. I mean, the experimental laws which have been playing around within the Southern Hemisphere basically mean, as soon as the ball's at the eights, do what you want, collapse a scrum. As long as it's usable, you can use it. Uh, And that's why... You know, from a Welsh point of view, we're seeing Gethin Jenkins starting to play rugby again because as soon as the ball's to the eight, you collapse it and then you can move it. So it's kind of a moot point. He doesn't need to stay up; he just needs to get the ball back to number eight and then play. It's uh, it's it's in the new rules, and I think that's I think that's the way that they're going to play from now on forever.
1: Yeah. So come on, Tim. You, I'll let you come back on this one because it was obviously one of the big talking points during the week. Was Dan Cole and um, now whether it was him or whether it was Scott CO um, that was dropping those those scrums last weekend. Do you think we got any further forward in unravelling that mystery uh, th- last night?
2: Well, I, th- I think in test one, uh, it was... Uh, Co being too long legged. Mm. Um, I've played a lit. I've played at hooker, so I kind of know a little bit about what's going on in the front row. Not not masses, but n- not like a, an international prop, obviously. But I thought Co was too long legged and made it easy for the referee. And probably got and, and actually Dan Cole and that word I'll come keep coming back to with r- relation to England was streetwise. I I actually wonder whether Dan Cole had planned to take the hit passively and let Co move forward and fall flat on his face. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a tactical a tactical thing with Neil Hatley, the England scrum coach. Um, because, th- again, I, 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 I'm sort of with JB. I think that it's such a lottery all the time. You might as well have a ref with a magic eight ball, just shaking it and giving a decision whichever way he wants. I, I actually just, just think that in preparation and in execution, England were just more streetwise or created the, the sense of doubt not on their shoulders. How they manage that, I don't, I don't quite know, but it's, it's damn impressive to watch.
1: Yeah. Oh no, I'll agree. I agree. Look, I completely agree with you and know how it how it all worked out. Um, but yeah, I just think uh, it's interesting watching again. Like I said, I just finished watching it today, and it's it's just it's hilarious. I mean, like I said, I don't know if I, whether I, you put together a video of each it's each scrum dropping in exactly the same way. But in the end of the day, like you guys both said, it you know no one cared. Ball was at the eight's feet and it just went. Mm. Um, and and yeah, that, that's kind of where we've got to as far as the game's concerned.
2: Yeah, yeah and that that's quite an, an alien concept to us Northern Hemisphere fans because we're we're running by these new laws for the first time coming down to your neck of the woods. Um, and yeah, I think JB's absolutely right. That, that is a sign of things to come. It, the, the scrum halves don't feed, so it's not a true contest there. So it's, it, yeah, you, to, to avoid a, a pushover or a, getting a, a proper nudge on, I think you're going to see more of it.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, look, guys. I mean, I think we've probably um, pulled that test apart. Unless anyone else had
0: any part of it that they wanted to get stuck into, uh, there was one more problems. bit. There was one yep. tiny bit. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about Stephen Moore. Well, two two bits actually. Uh, first of all, Stephen Moore. Um, do you think it was a wise decision for Stephen Moore to try and be this abrasive captain? Which I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's his character. I don't know much about him, but I do know he's going up against the most abrasive man probably in world rugby. In, um, in in Dylan Hartley I just thought it was a complete fool's errand to try and play Dylan Hartley at Dylan Hartley's own game and, sorry, and do you mean about
1: that like uh, on the field in contact or do you mean like in his relationship with uh, Joubert
0: um, no just all the niggle actually on actually on the field because you're never going to yeah. you're never going to be able to out Hartley Hartley I mean, he's he, uh, he's he's done it all. He's done he's done the gouging. He's done a bit of biting. He, he swore at the ref. It, <laughs> you know, Moore's not a, even in his league. He might be a better rugby player, no, yeah. although I. Well, and I have,
1: I don't remember seeing a lot of niggle from Hartley in this series. Actually, I I, I don't think he's been the the one that's got under. The, I don't think he's been the one that's got under the Aussie skins. I think it's probably been more like a jay. Um, toji sorry and, uh, and, a, and a, few, a few of the others i mean Hugh, where are you on that one that probably leave more captaincy
3: yeah no i'm with jb there i think he's made a really good point uh, i it was what i made in my article after the game i i don't i, I don't like it I, I and i think it cost us I, I you know that penalty where he just flew in and and you know reversed it mm. what was a kickable shot you know we that was three points pretty much i mean yeah Foley would have shanked it but it probably would have cannoned off both posts and and somehow got over um it you know we we can't we can't be doing that you know that's not the way we play rugby it's there's niggle and then there's that when you're getting penalties overturned and and it's just from our captain i i I expect better and i i don't think he plays well he was off his game and and a a part of me thinks it's he's got it's he was so focused on this being abrasive and physical and, and not taking a backward step that he actually forgot what he was out there to do. Mm. And and then, you know, and now, for me, looked a lot better when he came on than, than what Moore did. So, yeah, look, I, 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 um, I totally agree. I think it's, it's not our style and, and it, it just detracts our focus. I, I don't think we, ga- we gain anything from it ever.
2: Mm. And, and can, if I could just chip in and add to that, I think that last sentence... Hugh you just said was was on the money it 's not our style and I think it 's really interesting looking at the identity of teams and I think what, what ironically enough, as an Aussie, what Eddie Jones has done is actually created a really English identity with this yeah. team really really um, real conviction a real a bit nasty up front and uh, and uncompromising and we play territory first and we, we have a, a strong set piece. The, the, what I always think of when I think of Australia is arrogance, but in a good way, arrogance that actually you don't need to get involved in all that niggle because you just, you you think you're great, you know you're great. And, and, and when it's on, you, you're clinical and you turn it on. And I, I think they've just, it's maybe that's where they were in the World Cup. I think you just lost that Aussie identity that I always think of when I think of Australian teams.
1: Yeah, well, I agree. I think... Uh... I think the Wallabies and and Steve Moore is kind of the leader of the Wallabies. I think we just got, you know, knocked back a step. We've been we've been on the back foot since that first test. I think they've come back and said, "Oh, we just can't get, you know get knocked back again and the only way we can do it is by kind of getting on the front foot and it just hasn't worked out for them and it's yeah, it's really interesting. I think they're at sixes and sevens whereas, you know, in the World Cup it was very much just keep your head down, you know, play hard, you, you know, don't try and get involved in in too much crap and They've, con- I think they've lost their way there um, and it seems to me, I know the big focus in camp was this, they've got this phrase, this saying, D-tabs, which is don't take a backward step, uh, I think, you know, which D-tabs. is kind of the idea that it's kind of mixed in with this sort of uh, aggressiveness and I, I'm not sure that that's, you know, paying off or, or is paying off for them. So I guess that leads us on to, so what next? Um, and I'll throw this to you, on to, to you, Tim, again, Victor with the spoils and all what happens for this next test does does england need to do anything just more of the same and maybe you can give us a bit of a clue here and say look you know what do the wallabies need to do
2: okay well firstly on england i think that a lot of people will assume that oh you know the other guys that have come on tour let's give them a game give them a run out i hope i really hope we go for the jugular and go and just pick the best team we can and try and try and whitewash it i I I think that's what eddie jones will do um Albeit, it will mean some guys don't have rugby, but I just think that's the best thing for the, the team long-term. Uh, we know that Haskell and Noel are going to be out, which is going to open up a couple of opportunities. Is that right? Um, as for Australia, yeah, yeah, they're both out of the third test. As for um, Australia, uh, I think, again, if I, if I just talk about that identity, I think uh, that, that second playmaker, pair of eyes. I actually agree with what you said earlier, that Karevi had a had a decent game, but it made it all too easy to put all that pressure on Foley. And the, the Foley looked so much better when he had Gitto outside him because he had Gitto outside him. Um, and, and I think that is the, that's the way that's going to suit the speed that Australia want to play out, having that get-out-of-jail-free card for Foley if he's getting a, the quick press from England. So I do that straight away, I, and I agree with you that um, Palotta now and uh, is the guy that's probably earned a starting test jersey to name but one.
1: Wow. Well, that, I mean, that would certainly be a turn up if the captain got put on the bench um, for uh, TPN to come on. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's been having some bullocking runs. By the way, I was just I was just enjoying some of the sacks there you had in the background, Tim. Um, <laughs> nice on a Sunday. Yeah,
2: well, I can, I can go. And they sell CDs in Starbucks. I can go and buy you one if you want to send it over. Uh, do you guys
3: realize we don't have Starbucks in Australia? What? Yes, we do.
2: Yeah. No, well, ca- oh wait, no,
3: they shut down, didn't they?
1: Yeah. No, we don't have, we don't, we do not have coffee chains here. What? So uh, Gloria Jeans. We got
3: Gloria Jeans, they, oh. but they're very isolated. Yeah. 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 No, we just don't do them. So yeah. So are you all about? Are you all about the? Sorry,
0: where, where uh, are you guys calling in from? Chains. Like Rwanda or somewhere? What kind of civilized <laughs> country doesn't have coffee chains?
2: oh no we've
1: taken it to the next level mate yeah no so because obviously coffee chains the first thing that happens is the coffee goes shit so yeah they're all, they're by and large independents uh, all with beards and tats and stuff like that
0: making a bunch um, of jack knolls ser- ser- serving your coffee exactly
1: <laughs> yeah he would fit right in um so jb give us a clue mate what do we need to do next what, how
0: does australia pull this one around and avoid your prediction of three nil um, well, I don't think it will be three nil. Actually, I mean that's my original prediction. I think I'm going to change that, just because it's going to be a four nil. Yeah, four 0 four nil. It's going to be a straightforward race now. To um, can Australia improve on 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 what they were doing, which is that super uh, super rugby style of rugby. And can Gustard improve the defence even further? Because you've seen a a step between the first test and then the second test, and they'll go... Going into the third it's going to be this straightforward contest, and I don't think they've actually shown me enough to say they can repeat that performance of keeping Australia down to one try I, I think it's an almost impossible task so if you get out in front I'm not entirely sure that England have got what it takes to score enough points so i'm going to revise my'm um, going to revise my prediction say it's going to be going to be a two one because this third one's going to be ferocious oh and is it in Sydney but by the way yes it's in Sydney i am going gonna, gonna going to be there. I, yeah. I I mean I think the most interesting question about this test actually is uh, who's going to give you permission to play because last uh, the first test you had the the kindly lady um this week you had I think <laughs> was it a wizard a wizard wearing a fox
3: <laughs> We we can't make jokes about this JB it's, it's it you understand the the um <laughs> sensitivity straitjacket we're 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 kind of in I, I was I was <laughs> without I, wanting to yeah,
1: I was absolutely. Yeah, they pulled totally it on a straight away.
0: I was absolutely stunned that this that, that this man was even on a rugby pitch. So I can only assume that this week you're going to be introduced by I'm guessing a I don't know a, some sort of homosexual transgender to play rugby in Sydney. That's that kind of sounds about right. <laughs> so that that to me is probably what would be wrong with that absolutely absolutely nothing and you should absolutely ask permission off every minority group to play rugby for some reason which is unknown to everyone everybody else in the world so i'm really looking forward to this Uh, yes (laughs)
3: you see you see what i have to, you see what i have to live with but but
0: what is it boys why do you need to why do you need to put us all through it
3: it's, it's it's a it's a perspective that we're not allowed to provide, I think, here. But I'm, um, I'm, um, yeah, it's, it's valid, I think. I, 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 I can't say I pay a huge amount of attention to the pre-game stuff at the, anymore. Now I just kind of mute it and and, and um, focus on just trying to lower my blood pressure until um, until I can turn off what happened to everything the de- and, and get get the game started.
0: What happened to the days when Australia was just the pre-match was was loads of dignitaries and gold scarves? That's what I liked. <laughs>
1: yeah well and then and then john is it john williamson uh str- strumming we'll sing matilda um you know basically the the, the whitest song that we've got um
0: <laughs> it used to be and now they've stopped that yeah, yeah. Well, you, uh, hang on, have you stopped singing we'll sing matilda yeah no that doesn't happen anymore no. oh that is disgusting oh yeah band oh uh, bad. it's
3: not bad it's just no one sees <laughs> it anymore it's not we're not the town from footloose we we can't we have we have some things that we're allowed to do, but uh, um, yeah, sing, sing, waltzing. Well, but that, that kind of boys, went out a bit. That that was a real. Have early you boys watched the,
2: Sorry, guys. Have you have you guys watched the game at uh, Twickenham?
1: Yes. Yeah, I have many.
2: I mean, that, that that's a very very formal affair. It's so formal, and everyone has to wear mustard chinos and <laughs> and blazers to the extent that they've tried to make it um, cool and young and hip by just having this weird graffiti font all around the stadium.
1: Oh well, that must be G- out. G- There's another one I hate: on
2: a...
0: <laughs> oh yeah, Ur- uh, urban youth fonts all over all over the stadium to make it feel more more inclusive and accessible to uh, underprivileged communities. What nonsense!
1: Anyway, well, it goes right It's with the marching band they have as well, you know, just before the kickoff as well. That goes right with the graffiti theme, doesn't it?
0: Oh <laughs>
2: yeah, oh yeah, really, I'm absolutely. Back. So does the the extreme wealth of everyone that, that lives around Twickenham Stadium in with yeah. driving around in their Chelsea tracks. I tell you what, rovers.
0: the net worth the net worth of that crowd is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, no, it is. I've I've been there, and it was quite. It's quite amazing. And the rugby knowledge is unbelievably
0: low. Oh, well, um, rugby's a, dis- well. a distant second to the networking. Yeah, yeah. Distant second. Um,
1: it was-
2: it's, all, it's all about the pork pies in the car park before the match. Guys, didn't you know? Come on. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. Well, I always used to have like a nice E. coli <laughs> burger. <my way. laughs> um, you know, those ones that you, you can smell the onions about half a mile away um, after a, a good few pints down at the eel pie uh, near the river it used to be my way in. Whereas at Sydney, this weekend, it's going to be, because its it's kind of right in town and it's near... Oxford Street, lots of nice dining. So it's going to be a big late lunch here, uh, lots of red wine. And so we'll be nicely numbed by the time we get in. So it'll be interesting. Look, I, just getting back to the match briefly, I, I think I agree with you, Tim, is that I think Eddie's going to want to go for the jugular. And I think he'll think the best way to, you know, grinding this one out I don't think he'll be so appealed by I think he'll be really looking for like for them to stick a few tries on and say hey we we didn't just win this through defense we could we could also stick some tries on you I think he's going to be looking for that um as just a one final screwing with our minds. so it'll be interesting to see if he can do it Hugh have you got any confidence that we're going to be able to hold him out
3: yeah I actually am a little bit bullish about this game I think Australia will win and might win comfortably um I just think they've got so much more to play for. You can talk up, you know, yeah, we want to win. England want to win 3-0. But you can't tell me they might not just take it a little bit easier this week at training, you know. Um, End of a long season, you've had a great victory. Bask in the spoils. And deservedly so. I I don't think I'd... Whereas the Wallabies, I think Checker has got to be out beating them um, every single hour of the day. And they've got to be hurting. I mean, I, I, from the reading the post-match comments, they're hurting. And I, I think they've got a lot to play for. And I don't think I think England have already proved that they're fantastic. Um, and it would surprise me if they approach the game with the same intensity that they have the first two. Whereas I think Australia uh, might actually up up the ante a little bit. So um, yeah, I think it'll be a hollow two-one um, series. But uh, I think Australia might look to take some positives into the into the rest of our international season. So, yeah, a bit, bit hollow to tip them now, but I feel like this might be their game.
1: Okay, well, there you go. Um, yeah, I think you are quite bullish on that one as well, but I, I would hope we could edge this one, um, having had two games kind of go against us. In a lot of ways, you look at it and kind of go, how? But um, hopefully we can pull this one around, but we'll see. I think hopefully there'll be another cracking match. So all I can say, look, until next week, fellas and Tim. Uh, I hope the rest of your day, the sun continues to shine and you enjoy it. I think you'll be on top of the world for the rest of this week.
2: Well, yeah, it's. Uh, I've actually got my my family just stood outside the window of this coffee shop. It's Father's Day here today. Do you have the same Father's Day as us in Australia? Uh, no. No, as yeah. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to go and treat myself to uh, a huge, huge breakfast and. Um, yeah, maybe a beer in a bit. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. Looking forward to it. And, and for the record, I actually think it's going to be... Um, I actually think it will be 3-0 now. I, I I don't think that just winning a series and just winning 2-0 has, is total redemption for the pain of the of the World Cup. So I actually still think the England team will be fired up. And having seen what I've seen the last two weeks from both sides, I've got a sneaky feeling we might edge it.
1: Bloody hell. So, that, so anyway, we've made the cocky pom... Uh, Cocky again. Uh, so there you go. I think it was two on our way, wasn't it? The, only a few weeks ago. But you- yeah,
2: I know, I know, I know. I, I'm, I'm as I'm as amazed and pleased as anyone.
0: And boys, can I just well, leave you with yeah, my parting bit of wisdom? If, yes. If in any way you lads are a little bit depressed this week, just remember your national team did not go down to at least five tries against the Waikato Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That does actually. Hey,
3: don't don't shave yourself. That Chiefs are a bloody good side. Sorry, Chiefs Waikato Chiefs
1: more, reserve team. Would
3: be close. Yeah, well, that's, yeah.
1: In a midweek. Yeah. Okay. No, that does make me feel better, actually, JB. Mm. Um, and so, on that note, thanks for joining us, fellas. Good to talk to you again, and we'll uh, have a yarn with you next week. Sound.
0: All right, boys. Bring it on. So that was us with the Green and Gold podcast, Matt Rowley and the boys. We'll be back doing that again next Monday, but remember, tomorrow is your normal egg chases, and Wednesday, we're back in the rugby dungeon to interview more players.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus...
0: Uh, I will see you tomorrow. Thanks a lot. Goodbye.